Drinking a little drink, smoking a little smoke, getting down to business. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. Blue check mark ass fucks. You've got to go down the hole. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Nikola Tesla is my boy. But we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. 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 Well, folks, we're back. After a short hiatus, I had a little run-in with the law because of where I was on January 6th, and the case is still open, so I won't be talking about it here, but hopefully in the future it can be an open discussion, but we're back. We got Jim Gale on today. He's a great guest. I'm looking forward to it, man. This is going to be a good conversation. Yeah, it's something everyone needs to hear, so we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor and get right into it. This episode is brought to you by Jimmy K's Bar and Grill. As always, that's where we go. That's where you will find us. That's where you will shoot Red Stag with us. If you want to talk conspiracies with us, just come on down. It's located at 911 11th Avenue for all my Gematria fans. New Brighton, PA. If you're a local listener, you know where it's at. If you listen from far away and are ever in the Pittsburgh area, come on down to Jimmy K's Bar and Grill. The food's incredible. The drinks are always stiff and the service is amazing shout out to my girl stevie shout out stevie and hannah and, and hannah and ashley and, and ashley Lindsay. And oh and you know what man they're all the great. whole squad's good jimmy's the fucking man come down to jimmy k's chop it up with us talk some conspiracies we'll get into it all right today's guest is jim gale he started the company food forest abundance which will help design and install an edible landscape and get rid of your lawn because lawns are bad. In times like these where the food supply chain is more and more fragile each day and the amount of poison processed foods we consume, consume is growing all the time, this information is vitally important and I'm super excited to talk to him. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, guys. And I'm honored to be on your show and I'm really thankful to be able to speak to whoever might be listening because we truly have the, the solution to the yes, world's sir. biggest problems. And I mean that very sincerely. I can demonstrate what I'm saying. It's a claim that's a fact. And by the end of the show, most of your listeners are going to agree with me. I hope so, man. I'm excited to get into it. Uh, most of our listeners know that we start the show off with asking our guests what sent them down the rabbit hole. So, Jim, what made you open this company? What got you into this kind of stuff? Oh, man, that's such a beautiful question. It always brings tears to my eyes. Um, <laughs> looking at my daughters, you, you might hear them in the background over here. Um, I've got four amazing daughters. Four daughters. That whew, Bless your soul, man. That is amazing. <laughs> yes. And so well, it was 2007, um, eight, and I was at a um, – I was living in Costa Rica. I had sold a mortgage company, and it did pretty well. And I was looking for the next thing that inspired me. And – so I sold the company. I was in Costa Rica, and I was at this place where it was an expat hangout, right, where all these different expats got together. There was mm -hmm. a former CIA agent, a New York cop, an artist, a teacher. My dad was a pipe fitter and a bum and another couple people, <laughs> and me, right? We're all just sitting there having conversations. What a ragtag awesome. group. It's a really diversified group, right? And 
and it was so much fun. Anyway, two guys, a few guys at the end of the table, including the CIA agent, the cop, and a few others, were saying 9-11 was an inside job. And I said, you're fucking crazy, <laughs> right? Because my mind went to this logic in my head, logic, right? Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. That's called unconscious incompetence. And I'm like, this is, it's impossible for that many people to be involved in something so big. Right? right. I didn't understand compartmentalization at the that, time. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand the hierarchy and how people get to positions of power and how you go up that ladder by obeying authority. Mm-hmm. You know, the most dangerous superstition is our belief in authority. And we can unpack that here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they said, go watch Zeitgeist, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I, you know what? I'll watch it because I love learning stuff and, you know, I'll, when I'm done with that, I'll come here tomorrow or the next day and I'll just say, here's what the truth is, you know, which is a very arrogant way to think, right? Right. But we all are arrogant to some degree. And so I, I was like, holy shit, I watched that movie and the world made sense to me in a much profounder level. <laughs> it is eye-opening. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that was the thing. And then I went through a couple of years of diving deep. I had... I had all the time in the world. In some days, I was 12 hours a day researching this stuff, right? Literally, yeah. it was like an obsession of mine. I and feel I you. I'm right there with you, bud. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. So anyway, that was two years kind of sucked because the economy was collapsing. I would started from scratch, made about $20 million, and that was all going bye-bye, and I invested in real estate in Costa Rica. All this, everything was happening wrong, right? And then I read Bill Mollison's quote, though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. Mm, yes. And I started sobbing. Yeah. yeah that, uh, 9-11 and that movie has been a very common answer on this show, that it, it's, it's the red pill, it's the rabbit holing that opens you up to everything else. And I'm, it covers all the bases, man. 9-11, the Federal Reserve, and religion. They're just yeah. the, they the mechanisms it. of control. Yes, the pillars of enslavement. He really unpacked it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let, then let's get into this company. Uh, what does Food Force Abundance do? Like, when, when you go up and try to sell this company to someone, what are your main selling points? My main selling points are freedom. This is well, the you sold me already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the path to freedom. The path to freedom is self-reliance. And I talked about the most dangerous superstition, thank you, Larkin Rose, is our belief in authority, right? For mm-hmm. us to be programmed and to do what other people want us to do because they want to control the energy of the people. And there have always been, and there always will be, parasites at every level of this divine natural creation, from wood ticks and mosquitoes to the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. Amen. And they well will said. suck from the blood and the energy of the people. So what is the solution? Well, this is the fun part for me, is every single person I've ever asked this question to, they, they can describe the solution in glorious detail. And the solution is not a utopic fantasy, but it's the next logical step. The Garden of Eden, that ideal, is is easy, relatively speaking, to achieve as humanity. Just living in harmony with nature, or what, what do you mean by the Garden of Eden? Yes, I mean food forests everywhere, mm-hmm. which will automatically bring nature to us, 
right? There are 40 to 50 million acres of lawn in the United States alone. Lawn is the foundation of our enslavement. In, in fact, Henry Kissinger back in the 70s said, if you want to control nations, I know you know this one, yeah. <laughs> control oil. If you want to control people, control food. Exactly. If you want to control the world, control the currency. Yes, sir. And they certainly have control on all three of those. And yes, they do. But I, they can't control you growing food in your backyard, at least most places. Right. That will break at least one link in the chain, and it will all fall apart if we can get away from that. That is the one that yeah. fall, that makes it fall apart because it takes out their control of our health. When we mm-hmm. eat healthy, poison-free food, then we don't need their systems. Their petrochemical <laughs> kills, the pills they push on everybody. Exactly. There's a Freudian And the poisons flip. that are killing our society, our soil. And, th- I mean, this... What I'm talking about will reverse mass extinction and deforestation and cancer and diabetes and heart disease, just to name a few. <laughs> so why are lawns bad? What what makes these foods... Lawns aren't bad. Yeah. Balance. We're out of balance. Being out of balance is what is unsustainable or sustainable. In scientific terms, a system that does not create enough energy to sustain itself always dies. Right. Right. A system that creates enough energy to sustain itself, including the creation of the system itself. Those are systems that actually regenerate. And nature is the most regenerative system, the most efficient system in the world. And people that are trying to control nature to use it as a tool are the wicked people. The poison producers of our world are what we have to expose and not by going to war with them. But by simply turning our backs on those tools and doing things in the self-reliant yeah. way. Putting our money money and energy into other resources, you know, instead yes, of going to Walmart. Yeah. Yep. Money is a reflection of our energy. It's the stored value of the energy of the people. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to steal from the people, right? Uh, Gierke said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. And... That freaking one blows my mind because when I first heard that I was a slave, I said, oh, fuck, you're crazy. I'm not a slave. I can do whatever right. I want. And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute. Can I earn a living and not pay a bunch of it to somebody who I don't agree with? Yeah. Otherwise, the threat of force and violence and jail time, that's slavery, my friends. Right. You can't even no. collect rainwater in most states. thats It's illegal to collect rainwater. How fucked up is that? Insanely fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> So in these food forests that you create, what are some of the major plants or crops that you're so, putting in there? Like, explain awesome. one to me. Okay, so <laughs> a food forest is it's a system that mimics nature, right? So in a natural system, you've got a diversity of plants and elements that mm-hmm. when they're combined, they actually benefit each other. Like one of the things that when I first heard this, it blew my mind. A large tree in the rainforest transpires and puts out up to 500 gallons of water in the air per day. Oh, wow. So the rainforest, the rain from the rainforest is actually coming from the forest. And then it goes up and it rains and it filters everything and cleans the system. The rain goes back in the ground. And also on every rainforest floor, and I lived in Costa Rica for 12 years. It's totally like this. There's inches and inches of leaves and debris on the floor, and that creates that microbiome between the edge of the soil and the other edge, and that's where permaculturists love to work the edges, right? right. So 
so we mimic nature. We put um, beneficial insect attractors, chop and drop plants, um, which are like green manure plants. And then we mix in a design system to maximize yield, right? And there's many types of yield. Food yield is the one. That, That's okay. Don't, food don't yield is the one that everybody just obviously knows about, right? Right. right. And there's also beauty and there's habitat. I mean, who, who doesn't smile when you see a butterfly come by? Right? right, exactly. Or a little bunny hopping across a yard. I love that. Yeah, yeah. birds <laughs> of all kinds. Like, that's life. That's how we are supposed to be living. And that's where we're going. So how do you keep the bad pests away from this food? Like, there has to be bad insects that come and destroy some of these plants, right? Invasive or, species. Right. Yeah, so right. all... It, all plagues, all infestations mm -hmm. are caused by human intervention. And, and I'm not talking humans are bad because they're not. It's right. the top-down poison producers that have uh, programmed us out of balance for their own mm -hmm. manipulation and control. When humans have a path presented to them that makes more sense, we always do the best we can with what we understand, right? We just don't understand this yet so and a lot of this art this knowledge has been lost throughout history very strategically and intentionally so um they're like all the locust plagues were caused by one monoculture in an area where you get a few locusts and they breed and they multiply to the trillions in weeks and months but you don't have that in a diversified natural system where in one Let's say backyard, instead of having one or two types of crop, you have 50 different types of crop. Okay. It's amazing. I get that. But what about like deer or something like that that's just going to come eat your food? Don't, don't you have to protect your food from things like that? Uh, so I, <laughs> yes, you do to some degree, right? Okay. There's going to be certain plants that deer love and there's going to be certain that they don't. And same with every other critter out there. Right. So I was just in uh, northern Minnesota. I grew up in, in like the cities, right? Mm -hmm. I drove up a few hours up north, and one of our designers, his name is Chad Johnson, and he worked with Seth Holzer. He's just a phenomenal designer. Go up to his house on the edge of Lake Superior. And most people in Minnesota, my friends, like, oh, I don't even know how many, you can't even grow food for us in Minnesota because it's too cold, right? Yeah. His food forest is epic. It's expansive. There are no fences. There are no borders other than, well, he's got a raspberry, right? Oh, okay. A huge raspberry. And I don't even know how thick this thing is. It's so tall that I couldn't see over the top of it. It was probably eight feet tall. And it, it was at least six to eight feet wide because I couldn't wow. see through it. That's impressive. That, yeah. Is that phenomenal? Yeah. Well, not only that, like... If you create an environment of abundance where everybody's growing these food forests, it wouldn't it doesn't really matter so much if there are, you know, quote invasive species coming in and, and, and taking a little bit of of what you're growing. I mean, that and you, you can that. Exactly, yeah. you want that. It's 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 balanced with nature. And then there are other things you can do like there is a certain type of flower that that repels deer. I forget what it's called. I did plant it in my garden though. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So there are things you can do, but there are so many things and every zone is going to have its most prevalent plants, the plants that grow well in that zone. So mm -hmm. every permaculture design, the first thing that we look at is what does the customer want to achieve, right? And we are 
huge promoters nowadays of annuals and perennials. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of perennial food forests because they're no maintenance. Right. You can, they, in fact, uh, uh, a uh, scientific paper just came out saying that the Amazon rainforest was a designed food forest 5,000 years ago. Really? And the wow. Incas, the Mayans, they left and look what we have. And it the just, most biodiverse place on the planet. Right. Uh, kind of more or less got overgrown and now it's running rampant but they yeah, they yeah. used to kind of cultivate it a little bit more and it was just yeah. wow and, so and somehow they vibrated our out of our reality and now it's just epic right so <laughs> so yeah so that's the process is design according to natural principles mimicking nature and then let nature do the job so chad was telling me he's got so many animals coming in and out of his food forest they have a bird from russia They've never seen in the United States. Like it's not even supposed to be. Oh wow! He's got seven types of frogs, all these turtles, foxes, and wolves, and bears, and everything else coming through. And it's taking nature into his food forest, and then taking nature out. And now it's expansive on its own. I'm totally with that, man. Because when you're in nature, totally immersed, your vibratory frequency is just so much higher you you just get in tune and it's better than sitting in a steel trap all day in some cubicle you know you got to be out in nature at least a little bit of the day absolutely it's 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 where life is it's Mm -hmm. where life originates it's where we're meant to be you know i have started to question everything right yeah the rubber soles on shoes as you should right That disconnect. In fact, I was watching a show the other day. We still watch a little bit of TV with the girls, and and sometimes I question how much of that because I know it's programming. It is but programming. I also yeah. talk to my daughters about what that means. At least the oldest one, she's totally aware. She's That's twelve. Good. Awesome. Amazing. Glad to hear. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking at this show the other day. It was a Mickey Mouse show, right? And I, and then I asked the question. Okay, what here is negative? And as soon as I asked that question, oh, it was ridiculously obvious. They're promoting cake and hot dogs. Mm, right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're celebrating. Processed, like this idea that we celebrate sugars. birthday with poisons. Yeah, that's ridiculous. about the worst thing for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's poison for sure. It's a fact. Everybody knows that. So mm. why do we celebrate life with poisons? It's a good question because they want us sick so the big pharma can push all their shit on us and it's there just a go. big cycle, you know? So you design these food forests depending on where the people are at, right? Depending on what kind of climate and what kind of yards they have, right? Yes, 100%. So um, we launched on Earth Day, and since then, we are now in 11 countries, soon to be 15, and 40 states. It's going absolutely viral, and every design is custom according to all of the different variations from the customer to the climate zone, microclimates, and all the details. So what would you design for someone that lives in a city in a one-bedroom apartment? Can you do something like that? or? So we have just in the last like two, three weeks, month, mm-hmm. we have um, brought on a team that they're specifically intended to design indoor growing systems. Okay, awesome, and awesome. thank God for the cannabis people around the world who have <laughs> shown us the way, right? The peace pipe is illegal. They don't want peace. Um, and there is a day, and I named their names earlier. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Our um, audience is well aware of who yeah, they are. Yeah, we know who you mean <laughs> when you say they. Don't worry. For sure, for sure. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we're doing indoor designs. We're doing a preparedness blueprint as well. 
um, because there's a lot of questions and concerns regarding what's next, right? And how do I prepare for what's next? So we're going to come to market. The Food Forest Blueprint is our primary product. Our Food Forest Cooperative is how we're scaling globally. And then those other two products, the indoor growth systems and the preparedness is, is a big part of it. So what can you grow indoors? What types of stuff can you do? Well, I'm... I am. A, I turned my whole garage mm-hmm. into a microgreens garage. Uh, microgreens, awesome. yes. And I'll never do that again. <laughs> I was a slave to those little bastards. Yeah. But, but it was awesome. Like if I needed to grow food, I've got all the seeds, I've got the mats and the trays and the soil and all that. I, we could easily grow so much microgreens that we could have on one rack. We could have a salad for all of our family and probably two or three other families every single day, and not just any salad. But the healthiest salad in the world with peas and broccoli and kale microgreens with radish and these other things. So that's my favorite as far as a quick turn. Um, My favorite as far as overall nutrient density and taste is the sweet potato. You can grow those indoors? Yes, you can grow those indoors with grow lights. And um, and a lot of people worry about bugs and there's issues with white flies and different kind of bugs. But here's what I found, and I haven't heard anybody talk about this. I love sharing this information. I put up an essential oil diffuser with tea tree or different eucalyptus lemon and a fan over my microgreens and different things, and I had no issues, no mold, no issues with that. Oh, wow. That's great. And microgreens are more nutrient-dense than their adult counterparts. Like 40 times more dense, right? Yeah, 40 to 40 times is what I've read as well, and they taste delicious. And And they're quick too, so that's the best-case scenario all around. It's like eating sunlight. It's amazing. (laughs) A a question I have for you is – so you made it clear that you come in, you you make a custom garden for somebody, and then you you turn their, their yard into a food forest. But do you have anything to help people after you're done with that process keep their their soil fertile and coming back every year in, in the same way? Yeah, such a great question. These are such great, great, great questions because this is what most people want to know, right? right. Is yeah. how do you do it with the animals and this stuff? So a properly designed food forest is going to have several layers of um, a lot of times if there's lawn, we do sheet mulching with cardboard. Not always, but most of the time. And then we put some soil and some soil amendments, some rock dust, worm castings, kelp. And Black then gold. We put, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Worm castings. That's the ultimate of everything. Right. right? That's nature's best fertilizer. And then we put a good um, minimum four inches, but the deeper the better up until a certain point, right? But 10 inches even of mulch on top. And, and then when you add the nitrogen fixers, um, the legumes, right? So mm-hmm. – uh, bush bean and pigeon pea and mimosa and clovers and different things, they'll actually put nitrogen back in the soil. And then you add the uh, Mexican sunflowers and the green manure plants. And then you drop that on top and you don't ever have to add anything again. Right. I'm sure when everything's working together, it just replenishes itself. Unlike these giant mega farms that just strip the soil of everything it's got and they, they kill exactly right in, in fact how much do you have a forest near your house at all any mm-hmm. woods yeah we're in like suburban pittsburgh like so there's okay. woods around us how much have you taken care of that zero there you go that's exactly <laughs> right when right. nature nature takes care of it nature is the ultimate caretaker exactly you know if you just quit the poisoning and that's why they have to poison every day 
all day long constantly because nature is so powerful that here's what's going to happen. The, the, I think we're going to quit when we do quit. It might not be this year. It might not be next year. I hope it is. I kind of think it will be. But once we do quit poisoning our earth, it's going to come back so fast that I think in five years, we're going to be on the path to the ultimate freedom. I hope so, man. You see places like Chernobyl that had massive radiation and now pictures the forest completely retook it. There's just green everywhere. So it can happen pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it can happen so fast. And all the, all the wildlife that's there, and they still won't let people back there, mm-hmm. and yet it's it's flourishing. It's probably one of the healthiest places to be now. I don't know that for sure, but I see yeah. the animals are doing well. The less people, the better it usually is. Well, the less poisons. <laughs> right, right. right. And True. This, yeah. yeah, and I like to preface that because this whole idea of population control is a false narrative. And that is, on, on two levels I'll talk about that. One is with the proper use of resources, right? Mm -hmm. From human ore to all of our resources, we can have an unlimited amount of people on this planet. I agree. But here's the fun part is uh, there's a book by, I think it's Greg Mortensen called Three Cups of Tea, where he goes into Afghanistan, risks his life and builds schools for these young women in these communities. And that along with several, several other studies have shown that when these women get educated, they have fewer children, right? They go down from six or so children to like 2.8, which is a sustainable, very logical number of children to have for a simple life. Now I have four and I'm happy as heck, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Four would be just about max for me. That, that seems like a little much, especially if they're all girls, but the difference (laughs) is you've created this company in creating food for us. So you like, you have abundance all around you. You can have as many kids as you want and it's sustainable. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I feel yeah. like a few generations ago, people had six, eight, ten kids because not all of them might make it to adulthood and they, you know. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. how do you feel on GMOs? Um, I feel that it's a complete, it's insane at the yeah. ultimate level. Uh, every plant has a way to reproduce itself. Mm hmm. Except for a GMO. Right. They are one generation only. And that's yeah, and that is mind-boggling. insane. It's unhealthy. It's unsustainable. It's a control mechanism. Yeah. I think it was to make the farmers keep buying seeds every year instead of harvesting their own seeds. But it might branch off into something more nefarious now. But Well, well it does, actually. And I did a research project on this in college. Um, so these GMOs create a variation in the dna of weeds that grow because the weeds have a hard time growing in these environments where the gmos are because they were designed to keep weeds away oftentimes and then now you have these hybridized weeds that have evolved to become invasive and now they're in the natural environment not just farms so it creates like its own separate invasive species and, and you know what? This is nature's way of fighting insanity and fighting <laughs> yeah. because there's no such things as weeds in a natural system. There are pioneering plants that come in and they dig taproots down. They open up soil. They aerate soil and they create nutrients and all these things like dandelions are a sign of a nutrient deficiency. Right. And they're mm-hmm. one of the I was told, in fact, when I was a kid. And we had this lawn, right? Mm-hmm. And there were dandelions in the lawn. And I was like, oh, look at these beautiful yeah, flowers. They look like flowers, exactly. Yeah. And my parents yeah. said, oh, those are weeds. They're bad. 
And I inter- I intuitively knew that that wasn't true. I'm like, right. no, they're good. Like, no, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you see now a lot of these homeopathic remedies are making dandelion jams and dandelion juice and all kinds of different stuff with dandelion. So they oh, are more beneficial than, than we make them out to be. Insanely more. They're like they're one of the nature's superfoods, along with so thistle and milkweed and all these things that we call weeds. They're nature's medicine. What about poison ivy? You can't tell me that's good. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't researched enough about poison ivy. I know I don't get it. I'm one of those people. I can rub it all over me and use it for toilet paper. I'm the same way. I got it right now, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you're out in the woods. Yeah. Well, you have this area down in Central Florida called Galt's Landing, and that is like my dream. Ever since high school, I wanted to just get a bunch of my buddies and buy a bunch of land out in the woods and, you know, be self-sustainable, grow our own food, and you're doing it, man. That's just awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about Galt's Landing? Yes. So my job, what I am building myself to be is a spokesperson for this movement towards freedom to the best of my abilities, right? Mm-hmm. And so Golf's Landing is going to be my stage. It's going to be a place, and we just got a major investor. Everything's moving forward like light speed, and we are going to show the world. We're going to demonstrate by living this lifestyle of how easy it is to be in luxury and completely off the grid because most people think of farming as hard, dirty work, and they think of off-grid as an outhouse in the woods. We're going to have a high-tech, beautifully designed house, pool everything with our own water, our own complete food forest with literally a 100 different types of food, chickens and fish and everything, um, our own power completely off-grid. I was going to ask you, uh, well, first of all, how how are you going to get your power? Solar, wind, or geothermal? A combination of solar, wind, and geothermal. Okay, awesome. And and so like solar evacuated tubes to heat up water. Right. We're going to put it all in. We're actually building a studio on site, and we're going to be doing a lot of filming from there, demonstrating all these different components and learning, too. Some of the components are going to be hyper-efficient. Some of them aren't going to be as good. And yeah. we're going to say, okay, this is our experience with this one. This one's good. This one sucks and so on. You just got to pick out the bugs and make it all better. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to ask you about that. Do any of your designs have livestock like chickens or a goat or anything? Oh, big time. Uh, really? Chickens are my favorite. Me too, man. In permaculture, right? And they're the best. They're just one of the best animals for a permaculture system. But look at Joel Salton where he, he takes the, the, the pastures and he has rotational grazing and chickens and all these different ways exactly. to create regenerative agriculture. Uh, in fact, there's one TED Talk I saw uh, several times lately about the guy who, you've heard of foie gras, right? Um, it's a goose liver. It's, it's like a delicacy where historically the French would take the geese and they would, they would, they'd be completely bound for their whole later part of their life, and they would force feed them until their oh. livers just expanded. Then they'd kill them. That and sounds bad. This, yeah, pate, <laughs> blah, 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 right? So this guy says there's a better way. He's an Italian guy, I believe, and he actually created the environment for the geese, the pond, and all their favorite foods. He would go out and call them in. They would land. They would 
stay there and never want to leave. He'd take a certain amount of them around the corner because they're smart enough. They don't want to see each other getting you know, the head shot off. And right. they'd take them around the corner. He'd make, they would live their life in paradise. He won. He was the first non-French person to win the international foie gras competition. And the geese were not in a horrible living condition, but they were living in paradise. And he didn't have to raise the geese. He didn't have to feed the. He didn't have to do nothing except for create the environment. Wow, man, I I'm right on board with that because, I mean, our society now consumes so much meat. Like the chicken wings you're getting at the bar are haven't seen daylight in their entire lives, you know, because they have to produce so much, and that that's just not what you want. You want a more sustainable system where they grow up free range and it because that negative energy gets into the meat and then it gets into you you are what you eat you know absolutely literally yeah. right and your vibration and what you exactly consume. yeah amen brother amen so a couple last questions before we uh might wrap up here is um if i i'm in the northern hemisphere in pittsburgh i, I don't know exactly which zone that is but what types of plants would you recommend for me? Like, what, just a quick little. Just a quick. Yeah. A lot of the, um, the apples and um, plums, and there's some type of peaches, and mm. dozens of berry bushes. Great vines turn all of your fences into food fences, right? Which yeah. makes them way more beautiful, and the structure, the element is already there. So now you can make it more beautiful and create a lot of food with that, right? Um, right. Lots of different types. There's uh, perennial kales and spinaches and um, just a litany of different things. Potatoes are really good. Sweet potatoes, not so much. They need a warmer, but um, okay. potatoes save the Russians and many other people from starvation. Mm. You know, so yeah. uh, potatoes are, are good. Um, and then, of course, all the annuals all summer long. Well, I have a question for you. What? So you grow a lot of. You said you do a lot of perennial and annuals. What is the selling point for the for the annuals? Because it just seems way short less term. sustainable. Short term food because we need it's higher term. yield. Perennials take a while. There's an olive tree on the Greek Isle of Crete that was planted two thousand years ago that's still producing olives. Two thousand years ago. Wow. And that then, is uh, like mind blowing. That is. So perennials last for generations. Uh, a lot of them do. Um, the, the definition is the plant that'll last two or, two or more years, but right. most of them last for a long time. So, but they also take longer to produce. So okay. while those are starting to fill in, you want the annuals coming in because the short-term food supply is in big trouble. So this might be a dumb question <laughs> because I, I really don't know. But there are no dumb questions, Tyler. It seems like everything that occurs naturally in nature is perennial. It, perennial or perennial sorry perennial <laughs> um are annual plants natural or were they de like developed by humans so it, that's a very good um point so a lot of annuals so like here we have the um the it's it's called the everglades tomato and there's another everglades cucumber and there's different plants right mm -hmm. that you can just find all over all the time in certain areas that are basically perennials they just keep going but what we've done is we've hybridized to serve us and, and these are great like hybrid tomatoes are awesome there's thousands really yes, infinite types infinite types it's like genetics right it's every person's different mm -hmm. every tomato's a little bit different every mm -hmm. plant's a little different so you pick the best ones and you put those together with those and now you've got a hybrid and a lot of those hybrids are less likely 
to just go for it and just become perennial year after year. Although some can, right? Mm-hmm. So it's some of it is because of hybridization and other just need the right environment. Interesting. You were talking about a lot of fruit trees and that is all me. I'm a big fruit guy. So I might have to go get one of these done. I, I've been trying to convince my girlfriend to move into my grandparents' house. They have a big yard and woods in the back. And I'm like, it's going to be perfect. Just, But she has a stigma about multi-generational households, and it's okay, whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I might have to hit you up for uh, one of these. Uh, can Can you tell the people where to reach you and – uh, Absolutely. So my email um, is jimpgale at gmail.com. Um, and uh, it's Jim P is in Patrick, G A L E, like the wind at Gmail. Um, and I understand that as part of the control grid, but I'm so recognized now. I'm getting yeah. I'm getting censored all over the place. Eventually they're going to might shut me off. Who knows? I, yeah. I'm just full speed ahead. I'm faith and courage and inspired action is my foundation. Um, so. Uh, foodforestabundance.com is where to look up the company and what we're all about and um, yeah that's those are the best ways to reach me if you want a food forest or if you want to be in the business of helping people grow food this business is the most important business in the world right now in fact just from another perspective we just had a major investor put in um, he's very very wealthy he's one of the most successful German businessmen in all of um, China and he's got businesses all over the world. And he said, Jim, this is the most important business in the world. My resources are your resources. And he recognizes and that's awesome, man. Yeah. Really cool. All right. So I might hit you up for a job here too. Well, that, <laughs> that brings- cooperative. we promote entrepreneurialism and regenerative capitalism as the solution. Communism is force and violence. Capitalism is the voluntary exchange of value and that's what we're all about yeah where both parties are happier after the transaction's done that's what it's all about but people keep pushing us towards that communist left i mean well that that's what brings me uh, it's going to be my last question but so a guy like me or a guy like mitch we're we're young men we um we're not that financially free at this point in time in our lives speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) anyways anyways um are there things available or your services available for people like us who, who might not have uh, a disposable income at our, yeah. you know, at our disposal and uh, we're done. We can help you create that. Like right. that, the food forest cooperative, this is, it's unbelievable. Well, it's very strategic and intentional. And it, sometimes I catch myself just in awe of the, how fast this is expanding on a global scale. So my point is, is, you could be a food forest co-op in your area. We have a 15-person design team, very rapidly expanding. We create what's called a food forest blueprint. And that is a document that lays out the layers of soil to be put down, the exact plants in the exact locations, all the combinations of guilds and the community of plants that go together. And we hand it to you like a blueprint. Then you can go install that blueprint and that the food forest co-op, it's a lot like landscaping. In fact, it is right. landscaping. Mm-hmm. It's just very hyper-functional landscaping. The margins are about 40%. So an average install is ten to 15000 So you're going to make about four grand after labor and expenses. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good business model as well. Right. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, do you like sublet 
these plans out to other landscaping companies and let them do it? Is that how it kind of works? For, yeah, for 7%. So it's so really quick backstory. I started, I spent about a quarter million dollars getting franchise documents ready for this whole thing before I really woke like fully. I feel like, and you know, in two months from now, I'll be saying when I fully woke up, like yeah, <laughs> right. it's an evolving process of awareness. Amen. But um, I had 244 pages of FDD and another 89 pages of ops manual, and I threw that shit in the trash. Exactly, Quarter million right in the trash. Yeah, because it's exactly the opposite of our whole belief in that we don't have to control. Control is about fear, and allowing is about faith and courage. So we're like, okay, so our, our contract is two pages. It's very clear. It says we're going to provide all of these services. Your job is to do the installs. We take 7% or 12%. We take 7 if you get the customer and we help with all the rest. We take another 5 if we bring in the customer and the design and everything and hand it over to you. Yeah, fair enough. That's very fair. Yeah, it's a good it's a good split. Jim, you are talking about a lot of things that I am totally vibing with. I love it. We're going to have to have you on again sometime, maybe in the future, and see how things are panning out. But thanks for coming on the show, man. This is awesome. Hey, thank you, Mitch and Tyler. I appreciate you guys a ton. And uh, seriously, if you want to do the Food Forest Co-op in your area, let's get it going. The, your, your neighbors need you. For sure. Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely be looking into it. Thanks, Jim. Right. Have a good one, guys. You too. Bye. Well, there you have it, Rabbit Holers. That was Jim Gale. He is uh, speaking some revolutionary shit. Yeah, it- he really does have the solution to the problem. If people are self-sustainable, grow their own food, stop spending their money at Walmart, poisoning themselves, we'll all get better. It'll all be a slow process, but it is the answer. He has the solution at the perfect time. We're at a tipping point in our culture, and I think this could be one of one of the few solutions that we have. So, And if you have to start slow, that's fine. Just do what you can, and we'll all get there eventually the more money you remove from the system the more power you remove from the system so amen amen we'll get back to you next time until then take it away Mulder. you can deny all the things i've seen all the things i've discovered but not for much longer because too many others know what's happening out there and no one no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth <laughs>